Hello, church. My name is Joanne, and this is Deborah. We will read the scripture for you today. Um, first, I'm going to read, uh, read them in Chinese. 诗篇一百零七篇一到九节你们要称谢耶和华因他本为善他的慈爱永远长存愿耶和华的赎名说这话就是他从敌人手中所救赎的从各地从东从西从南从北所遭聚来的他们在旷野荒地漂流寻不见
came down and picked up my brother and put him over his shoulder and walked out the back door of the church. As they're going out the back door of the church, my brother Dan yells, now you all pray for me now. <laughs> and the truth is, I don't think people have stopped praying for my brother Dan. The other thing is, um, I ask for your prayers and your grace this morning. Um, I'm not an eloquent speaker. Moses and I are closely related in that. Um, and I tend to get emotional. So I've got the hanky here, just in case. Now, the funny thing about this emotional bit is when I was about 18 or 19, a very close friend of mine said, you're the most unemotional person I know. I'm like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. But then I got married, and the inner princess started to develop a little bit, and a little bit more emotion. Then I had a baby girl. It's all downhill after that. She was, of our three children, she was the one I wept when she was born. Now, I mean, I cry at grocery store openings. Jenny's had... Jenny Wang's had the 30th anniversary recently. I got choked up on that. I'm like, look at the shrimp. There will be toy tears of joy when she has a half sale price on a Ben & Jerry's ice cream. I'll tell you that. So, but I thank you very much for being asked to preach today. When uh, first asked, it was on Colossians and sin, and I thought, I got that nailed. I can talk about sin, no problem. Then John Yates said, well, you know, we want to change. Can you do Psalms? I'm like, I love the Psalms, but there are so many of them. Which one? So I really struggled. Which one? Um, and landed on Psalm 107. So I am the first of a few speakers that will be speaking on Psalms during the next month. We'll hear on Psalms 32, Psalms 139, Psalms 34 by different people. So it will be a, a very good time on that. Psalms was written between 1400 B.C. and 400 B.C. by various authors, most notably David, Moses, sons of Korah, Solomon, and others. There are 150 chapters, each of encouragement, direction, and telling of who God is. I picked Psalms 107 because there seems to be a verse in that chapter that just hits Everybody. I mean, you just read through it. Yeah, I can identify with the refugee, the sailor, the sinner. I, I can do that. So, but today I've titled the message, Our God is So Good. Please pray with me. I need prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word in Psalms. We thank you for your love for us. Please, Lord, use me in my faults in the cracked pottery vessel that I am, to deliver an outpouring of your word and your love today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, Psalms 107, verse 1 to 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands. From the east and the west. From the north and the south. I would like for you to take a moment. and We're going to start off heavy. But I promise we'll climb back up and, and light. But go back in the memory of your mind. And consider memories of a child. And up till today. Some of you have suffered disease. Some of you have suffered sickness. Broken relationships, abused by the hands of another, financial failure, broken dreams, 
never the ability to go to school, a spouse who has walked out the door, lost parents, lost brothers, lost sisters. Some confusion on what to do in life, or even worse, some have perhaps lost a child. But you're here today. Thanks be to God for bringing you through those times. And I recognize they're not easy times. I recognize this life is hard. Sometime in your life you may have rebelled against God. You may have walked away from the faith of a, as you had as a child. You may have ran from him. You may have made mistakes. We all have. You may be suffering with false guilt even though you've been forgiven. But you are here. And we thank God that you are here. We walked in. We are alive. Many of us well. Some of us getting through just day by day. But thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his love endures forever. We have all gone through moments asking what will we do? We have no place to live. Or the doctor says, one of those moments, she can do nothing more for our boy. What do you do? Or I like it when the nurse comes to you and says, we'll just get you checked in right in this room over here, honey. It will be okay. The doctor will be in soon to tell you, talk to you. Checked in. That's, no, that's not the plan. It's Christmas. Why am I getting checked into a hospital? But praise God, he is good and his love endures forever. He has brought us to live another day. Thanks be to God. Easy. No, no, this life is not easy. It is hard. Many of us have heartache in our life. Some still fighting a disease. Some fighting addiction. Or some praying for a relationship that they would like to have healed. Some of you have seen your child walk away and ache for their return. Some of you have been praying and longing for a marriage partner to grow old together with and just waiting for God to bring that person along. I know life can be very hard and difficult, and I know that God can feel like he is nowhere to be found. Yet I do know and praise him, he is true to his word, he is always with us, in those moments, I would encourage you to hang on to the unseen one. In those moments, he be, may be shaping you, and I will share how he shaped me through a very difficult time to mold you into the person he wants you to be. Our God is good and brings us through another day. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now I have started with that downer. And now, let's think for a moment all of the blessings that the good Lord has given us. Health, family, spouse, children, a church home, this church home, a warm home, employment, a bike, a car, a driver, eyes to see, ears to hear. We have plenty of things to be thankful for, and we need to give thanks to the Lord for that. Again, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Jumping further down on Psalms 107, verses 4 through 9. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. 
Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some of us may have experienced life like that. Some of us may have wandered in the desert. Most of us probably not to that degree. However, many in the world have. According to the United Nations Refugee Office, there are 68.5 million refugees who have been displaced by violence and persecution. Those are the ones that are registered. There's probably millions more that are just floating under the radar. When we lived in Jordan from 2014 to 2016, we could see the refugee camps. We would cross paths with refugees who had set up tents in our neighborhood. And we would often see children begging on the street, and most of the time, we're able to help them. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives were ebbing away. Taking a look at where this material came from in Psalms 107, we can jump back to Numbers chapter 13 and following Moses. And I will sum up the main points of that scripture of Moses leading the people to the promised land where he gets them to the edge in 13. Numbers 13, verses 26 through 31, they get a report on the land flowing with milk and honey. Woohoo! We're great, but the people are big. Caleb says, we should go in and take it, and the people become afraid. Numbers chapter 14, the people rebel and complain to the Lord. They question God's goodness and deliverance. No. Moses, Caleb, Aaron, and Joshua God-fearing men, all followers and lovers of God, all trusted in the Lord for their protection to take the land. The people did not. Things got so bad with the people that they wanted to stone Moses, Caleb, Aaron, and Joshua. It's a rough crowd. I want to ask you, though, how many times in your life have you been burnt by somebody, stabbed in the back, hurt really bad, and you want to place as much distance between you and them. I have a few that I'm still working through. However, but not our God. Our God heard the grumbling of the people, the Israelites. He wasn't pleased about it. He did discipline justly some of the people who grumbled and disbelieved. But what I find amazing about God is that he even allows Moses to petition him in verse 19. Moses says in verse 19, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, you know, these people have continuously rebelled against God, and he has continuously forgiven them, even when he shows them that he is not happy, and some have suffered and um, died, they still fight, and God still wants relationship with them. Isn't that beautiful? No matter how much our sin, no matter how miserable we complain, and we complain, I complain, too much. I complained the other day, and I got here, the still small voice said, my ways are not your ways. Okay, I got it. I'm, I'm good. So, in uh, ver, uh, chapter 21, verse 5, they spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. And what does God do? 
Jumping down to verse 16, it says, From there they continued on to Beer, the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them water. So it's taken us 40 years or so, 20 years. We didn't, aren't fully through. But just to bring it back to Proverbs 107, verse 9, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. He is still in the business of doing that, even though sometimes it doesn't seem that way. If you ask refugees, they would say, we've been living in this tent on the edge of Amman for six years. When will help come? It's tough. It's tough. We know that happened thousands of years with Moses, and we know God does care for the refugees of today, the 68.5 million refugees. On December 20th, 2015, we went with missionary friends in Amman, Jordan, who were working with um, Iraqi refugees that from, from 1992, 91, 90, even up to today's situation. Some of, still of the refugees are still looking for a place to s settle permanently for many, many years. We wanted to bless them at Christmas time and encourage them. We were bring, our friends suggested that we bring nuts, chocolate, and coffee, and we thought, don't they need a chicken and peanut butter? And, and it's like, no, something special, something. And we, we got it. We, we learned that this is a special time of Christmas. They are believers in Christ and bring something special for them, just like we do. We went to one house where we were told that there were four people living there, and they had come from Iraq a year or so before. No problem, four people, we got enough, this is good. However, when we entered the house, there were 17 people there. And it quickly became evident that the situation had changed. Our friends didn't know it changed. We, we, we didn't know it was changed. There was an extreme heaviness that was in the air. An extreme something wasn't right. Our friends spoke Arabic, and we found out that more family members were forced to flee Iraq just 17 hours before by the militant group ISIS. Great sadness filled the house. They were speaking Arabic. Um, we didn't speak Arabic. We didn't know what to say. They were just beside themselves. You, the heaviness cut through all language barriers. They were already wondering how they could get UN refugee status that would enable to get some refugee benefits and then get on the list to relocate, a process that would take has historically taken a very long time, many years to do that. But praise the Holy Spirit, God gave my wife the insight to ask, do you know any Christmas carols? And there's a picture of them at that. And they did. And we started to sing Christmas carols. They would sing one in English. I would, no, they would sing one in Arabic and we would sing one in English, and we went back and forth, and the mood lightened, and it was just a, a, a blessed time. They pulled out their computer, and they showed us the pictures of their life in Iraq. They had, the family had a successful machine shop business. They were well-to-do. They had a beautiful home, a pool, palm trees. There was pictures of peaceful family gatherings in their homes. It was beautiful. Then on the night of December 19th, 2015, ISIS came to the door and said, leave by morning or you and your family will all be killed. They were able to flee to Oman. I'm not sure if they drove or they got a, out on a flight. I don't know. And that's where we met them just 17 hours later. 
extreme heaviness. They walked away from everything. And you think, God, where are you in this? Where are you in ISIS? What is this mess? But I'm happy to report within a couple months, they did receive UN refugee status, and that helped them to settle. If, and we were, learned recently that they were able to settle in Australia, and I reached out to those missionaries that had known them and working with them, and they are doing well. Verse 7, he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Reading on in 107, some sat in darkness, verse 10, some sat in darkness in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they had rebelled against God's commands. And despite the plans of the Most High, and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron, some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his wonderful deeds for mankind, let them sacrifice thanks offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. It wasn't it great last week, the, can, the video that Cam showed us of the redeeming power of God in the life of Ted Williams, Easy 109, Easy Listening. The man with the golden voice. I loved his voice. I wish I had that. So, all right, you get the hanky ready because it's coming. Okay. I... Remember the boy I told you who asked for prayer getting hauled out on the shoulder of his father? He is my older brother, Dan. It's, it's good. It's good. Trust me. It ends good. Dan is five years older than I am. Thank you, God. From the years of 1984 to 1998, Dan lived a life of alcohol, women, drugs, car accidents, barroom brawls, just misery. I honestly did not think he would live to be 25 years old. But the people that prayed for him when he was eight, we're still praying for him, and years of praying by family members, God, and for God's help, God placed a woman in his life that said no more and would not enable him to live his rough lifestyle. They married, and he has been drug-free and alcohol-free since 1998. In reading Psalms 107, verse 13, this past week, I asked my brother if he ever cried out to the Lord in his trouble with drugs and alcohol. And he wrote back. I'll just read some of his letter. And pray I get through it. Hello, bro. The term cry out to God is open to some interpretation. 
cry out conjures up a very traumatic situation, at least in my mind. So as far as alcohol, I do not remember if I did. Nanette, his wife, was and is amazing. She is strong enough to do battle with me and had all the answers to the typical addict behaviors. I didn't like her observations, and she threw me out of the house for a month. This is when they were first married in 1998. I had already screwed up a lot of things in my life, and I wasn't going to let our marriage to be another f failure. I don't know if I prayed for God help, but God had certainly sent the perfect angel, my wife. As far as my work, he's a builder. Things have gotten very bleak at times, and I did pray, and God always sent opportunities, almost if not immediately. Nanette and I were speaking yesterday as to how well God has looked out for us. He has always given me jobs that turned out to be amazing opportunities. He has also guided us with the ability to buy our farm when there were, the banks were lenient with loans. So God has been amazing in our lives so much I often wonder why he has blessed us so much. That I don't know why, but we are continually grateful for his guiding hand, even though we may not be deserving of it. Love you, bro. You have to understand, and some of you may have experienced this living in a house with an addict. It is not fun. It is not. You know, the, the, you've seen the commercial that came out probably in the early 90s where the girl stands in the kitchen and, with a frying pan and says, this is your life on heroin. And there were days, and she smashes the kitchen, and there were days like that in our home. But God is good. He is so good. Praise God. My other brother, Andy, one day stopped at Dan's house. After he had kicked the booze, he had been married for about two years or so. And he is doing this. He is practicing his fly fishing. And Andy and I sat in the car and we're like, do you, do you see what we're, you see what I see? I see what you see. Do you believe it? No. Fly fishing is the antithesis to my brother's previous life. It is, you need to be patient. You need to be still. You need to be calm. You need to just do it just right to get that fly to skip across the top of the water for the fish to bite. Nothing in my brother's life was patient, calm, steady. But through God and through prayer, God has relieved relieved him of those demons. Recently, I mean, this, this is, yeah... About two years ago, I talked to Dan on the phone, and he was as proud as a peacock. I'm like, what's up? He's like, I just won Blue Ribbon. I'm like, no, no, you're not drinking Blue Ribbon beer again, are you? <laughs> no, 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 Blue Ribbon in the Bethlehem Fair. He lives in Connecticut. I'm like, <laughs> I was like Blue Ribbon in what? He said, for my prize dahlia flower. I'm like, Dude, you were supposed to be pushing up flowers before you were 25. Now you're growing them and you're entering them in the county fair. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got a prize tally. It was beautiful. You should have saw it, Ben. It was this big. It was giant. Again, so different. And again, I thank God for that. He's growing flowers and daisies and all sorts of stuff. I mean, now he's collecting stones, and he's like, check out this stone, this millstone I got. And I send him pictures of millstones from China. I'm like, you want one? And he politely doesn't respond because, you know, I figure somehow to get it to him. But 
So praise God. God is good. Dan and his wife celebrate 21 years of marriage in June. And praise God, he, my brother, and my parents are thanking God. All right. Whew. Slide 21. We're, we're, yeah, we're, here we go. Some went out in, on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and he stirred up the tempests, and he lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, they, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. When I graduated from college in 1993, economic times were tough and I couldn't find a job. I thought, well, what else do I like to do? I like to sail. So I picked up a sailing job delivering yachts that were manufactured in Rhode Island and delivering them down to the Caribbean, some from Europe to the Caribbean, etc. So in October 1994, and if you live on the eastern seaboard, you know what season October is every year on the eastern seaboard. It's hurricane season from June to November, hurricanes. So in October, we were to take a catamaran that was about 43 or 48 feet long from Annapolis, Maryland, down to the British Virgin Islands in the Caribbean. Started out, we left Norfolk, life is good, good winds, good seas, hey, this will be easy. I was um, on duty with another Christian named Owen B. Sims, and there was a total of four of us on the boat. So we were out sailing. Anyway, that night, a huge wind came up. It was a 60-knot wind or 110-kilometer-an-hour wind or a 70-mile-per-hour wind, but it was, it was very high and scared us. We took down all the sails because the winds were just too much. We couldn't see anything. It was nighttime, but I can tell you joy did not come in the morning on this trip. The waves were as high, if not higher, than the top of that arc of that roof there. And fear had gripped us. It was not fun. Owen B. Sims, my mate, and I prayed and prayed that God would stop the wind. That was the first day. The wind did not stop. That night, we saw a ship in front of us. And we radioed it. We said, this is Polaris Yacht sailing. We're a 43-foot yacht sailing. Do you see us? Because you would disappear. The waves were so deep when going down. You would disappear for a bit of time, and then you'd pop up, and you might see each other. And the pilot on that ship instantly picked up the radio, and he said, yes, we see you. How, you know, we started talking. And we said, we have no sails up, but the winds are so strong that we are doing seven knots without any sails. And the, 
pilot of that ship said, I am a 430,000 ton super tanker and I am barely making headway at five knots of speed. And we're like, man, that is just not news. He was as scared as we were. The fact that he was not dozing, he wasn't reading a book, he picked up that radio and said, I see you, you see us, yes, we're, we're in this together out here. The wind kept blowing. It was awful. And periodically, it wasn't every seventh wind or seventh wave or third wave, that, that theory didn't work. But the waves would come up and they would crest and they would crash into our boat. And you would just get pummeled. You would, and it would stop the boat instantly because the cockpit would fill up with water and everything would go flying if you were inside. And if you were outside, you went flying. And then you go, it was, it was just not fun at all. And so my job, Owen would be st steering, it, he'd be looking forward, I'd be looking backwards to give warning when another wave was going to crash into our boat. And then we would switch every 30 minutes or so and I would steer. And I kept praying, Lord, stop the wind, spare our lives. And Lord, if this is my time to die, I'm okay with that, God, though I really don't want to die. But please protect my mother, father, and brothers. The next day, the wind kept going, and my prayers to stop the wind kind of changed. I thought, well, he's not stopping the wind, so God, can you please just get us through this storm? Get us to our desired place. Please keep us alive. And I realized we were starting to become at our wit's end. Emotionally, physically, we hadn't eaten. It was pretty glum. And so after, you know, two days of this, I'm starting to get hungry. So I go and I make a sandwich, and I come out of the inside of the boat eating my sandwich. Owen's steering. He's, he's, he, is, he is scared. And I said, Owen, you got to look at this ship, much like the picture there. I said, you got to see this ship. It's amazing. It is amazing. You should see it getting tossed out of the water. Owen, no, I am not looking. I think, Owen, come on, take a look. It, you'll never see anything like it again. It's beautiful. No, I'm not looking. Then Owen, I gave up, and he looks at me. He's like, how can you eat a sandwich at a time like this? I'm like, Owen, we've been at this. I'm hungry. You need to eat. But we were just, we had just had it. We had had it. We reeled and we staggered like drunkards eating my sandwich. Oh, another wave, soggy sandwich. And we were at our wit's end. We had had enough. Day three, the wind stopped, the skies lightened, and we praise God that he has looked like the storm had gone away. Verse 29, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. When the sun came out, it was like a party. The food came out. The music was turned on. Our wet, soggy laundry was hung all over the boom of the sail. I mean, it was like, woohoo, glory days. The captain's like, we're just going to take it easy today. We're just going to put out a little sail so we can just slowly cruise along, which we are grateful for. But this is where I mentioned earlier, God may send you through miserable times to teach you something. And the thing that he taught me through that miserable time of thinking I'm going to die was I realized, thinking back, when I prayed, I only prayed for two things. I prayed for my relationship with Jesus Christ that I was ready to meet him that day. I prayed for a pure heart, and I prayed that there would be I'd just be totally pure and ready to go to heaven. And then I also realized I only prayed, for, I prayed for that, and I prayed for protection over my parents and my family. That 
life lesson has stayed with me to this day. I never thought about my bank account. I never thought about my car. I never thought about house, job, money, stuff. It did not enter the mind at all for three days. It only what was really important entered my mind. And I thank God I am here to tell you of your goodness. Seven days later, we pulled into Virgin Gorda, and we pulled up to the dock, and at the end of the dock, there was a payphone booth. And I ran to that, and I called my parents, and I said, oh, thank God, thank God I am alive. And my dad's like, what, what happened? I was like, Dad, you cannot believe the seas, Dad. You cannot. Hey, they were 50 feet high, Dad. It was terrifying. And I'm alive. Thank you. Thank you. It was, I, I recommend somehow, if you could do it, everybody to go through a storm at sea. I mean, it's real. I mean, it was wild. It was not wild at the time. But looking back, it was like, oh. And so now when I go to the, sh the coast, I like standing on the edge during a storm. And I'm like, yep, I'm on firm ground. I like watching the waves crash. Verse 33, he turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. Now, God is compassionate and he's slow to anger, but he's also a just God. And after repeated and countless repeated of disobedience of people, he does discipline them. And what I find interesting in Jordan, when we lived there, down by the Dead Sea, there's a highway. And there is a place that they say Sodom and Gomorrah once stood. What's interesting about this place is it's dry as a bone. It smells like sulfur. And there are boulders all around that have a blackened exterior. If you scrape away, if you chip away the stone, it's, you know, the tan color of the stone. But they're all black. And I sat there and I thought, huh. Yeah, and also there is a pillar of salt still there. It's like, wow, biblical archaeology and history is alive. It's here. It made me stop and really think. Verse 35, he turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live, and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest, he blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased, and he did not let their herds diminish. Verse 39, then their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But I love 41 and 42. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Verse 43, let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Our God is so great. He is true to his word as much today as he was thousands of years ago when he spoke to Moses. He never gives up on us. He may feel distance from us, but when you read the word of God and you say, no, he's, he, he's, he's still here. Recently, we went through just it was a rough spot in our marriage, and I'm like, God, help, help. And he is there guiding with us. He puts other people in our life to help us through that struggle, praise be to God. 
He never gives up on us, no matter how much we sin. He is there with open arms to say, bring your sin to me. Bring. He is merciful to us. And in closing, God is good and knows our afflictions, hurts, and desires. And he desires us to closely walk with him. My closing bullet points, they're nothing, I am not a theologian, they're nothing deep but simple. Read the Bible, dive into Psalms. I'm telling you, whatever situation you're going through, I I know there's the Psalms that will help you. A Barna survey shows that 87% of American households holds a Bible in it. However, only 20% read it on a regular basis. Let it not be said of this church that we kind of read it a little bit kind of dive into God's word and find his promises daily. Second bullet, know that God is with you in all circumstances, and it may seem like he is not, and he is far, but his scripture says he is with us. He may seem distant to just be molding your life, shaping you to be the person he wants you to be. And lastly, going back to Rick's sermon a couple months ago, abide in him. Walk closely with him. Read his word. Pray with him. Walk with him. So that's my spiel. That's my speech. I hope I did Psalms 107 justice. And thank you very much for allowing me to speak with you today. May God bless you. And let me just close in prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for Psalms 107. We thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted. We thank you that you work things out for good for those who trust and follow you, Lord Jesus. Please, Lord, may we as a church seek you, abide in you, dive into your word, and hang on to you, Lord Jesus, for you hang on to us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen.